This episode is brought to you by JLL. Get an insider view into the world of commercial real estate with JLL's podcast, Trends and Insights, the Future of Commercial Real Estate. Whether you're curious about making cities more sustainable, the evolution of office space, or AI opportunities, this podcast will help keep you a step ahead. Tune in for candid conversations with business leaders about the biggest trends impacting how we live, work, and play. Subscribe to Trends and Insights now at jll.com slash podcast. Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. Hey, thanks for tuning into the podcast on this Labor Day. We really appreciate it. We wanted to bring you some good material. These are some of the interviews from the past couple weeks on my radio show. Some of the better ones you may have missed if you only get to catch the podcast. Uh, Again, featuring some of the interviews we did on the radio show. These are really terrific guests. We really want you to hear them. With cyber attacks on the rise, protecting your data security is more important than ever. So why is Congress considering a law that puts your data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill shifts billions in consumer spending to less secure payment networks, all so that corporate megastores can make bigger profits. Don't let Durbin Marshall steal your data. Visit handsoffmyrewards.com security and tell your senators to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Paid for by Electronic Payments Coalition. Okay, um, first up today is an interview we did with General Jerry Boykin. He's a real American hero, Vietnam veteran. He was in Somalia during the Black Hawk Down incident as one of the commanders. Jerry Boykin and I talked about the catastrophe the Biden administration caused in Afghanistan. Check this out. All right, I want to welcome to the show for the first time a good friend and one of the most decent, honorable men I know. If honor is a thing, and I'm sure it is. Uh, General Jerry Boykin is uh, swimming in it everywhere. He is a great man. General, thank you for joining the show. It's an honor to speak to you, sir. Oh, Dan, you're very, very kind, and thank you. It's a privilege to be on your program today. Well, that's coming from you. Um, that means a lot. So, General, you are one of the few uh, truth-tellers I trust out there. Um, on this situation going under, you know, we're, we're witnessing right now this tragedy in Afghanistan. Can you think, yeah. given your deep experience in the military, I, I'm, I'm serious, I'm not trying to be a, a smart guy here or, 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 or in any way silly about it. Can you think of any tactical reason why we would have abandoned Bagram about a 20-minute helo lift out of Kabul, a fortified military facility? Why we would abandon that first in order to secure an airfield in a 4 million population city in downtown Kabul? Does that make sense to you at all? Uh, from a military perspective, it is the uh, it's it's backwards. There is no reason to abandon a base that you have uh, you put billions of dollars into. But more importantly, it is a strategic location. It would have made this whole thing much easier. And uh, I I cannot believe that the military advisors, that being the Secretary of Defense and the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs, did not have enough influence over the Commander in Chief. To get him not to do this, but he is surrounded by people that don't know what they are doing, and I think that they carried the day to include Secretary Blinken, and uh, this is tragic, and we're going to leave thousands of Americans uh, in the hands of the Taliban there, ultimately. They're going to be scattered all over the country. If they were not being impeded, then why aren't they at the airport already? We're talking to General Jerry Boykin, a, a great man. Folks, look up uh, 
this gentleman's resume. It, 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 it's going to take a while. You may have to read for it. It's, it's that deep and lengthy. I love, I love having him on the show. General, I, I agree with your assessment there. I spent a little bit of time at Bagram. It's kind of nestled in the mountains there. Um, it's, a decent, uh, it's, it's a decent lift out of, out of Kabul, but not far enough that it would make it impractical. And it just never made sense to me. There were two runways there. This was a secured facility. But I want to highlight what you said because that's been on my mind as well. You know, although the executive, I believe in the unitary executive, obviously the president's the one man in charge there. He's got people to support him, but he's in charge. He's a branch of government in and of himself. How is it that he surrounded himself with supposedly the best and brightest and, and, you know, all of these academics, think tankers and candidly upper level military folks and no one was able to tell him, you know, sir, this is a disaster. Do you understand you're asking us to secure an airport in the middle of a city, high ground everywhere, friends and foe all around us? We have a place, just a 20-minute lift out. Like No one was able to talk him out of that? I mean, you've been in some of these high-level meetings. I'm sure you've seen other politicians who made decisions just as bad where people were able to tell them, sir, bad idea, you better do a U-turn. Well, that comes back to the question of who's influencing the president. Who who really, they call them handlers or whatever you want to call them. The media has adopted that term. But who's really influencing the president and his decisions? Look, Lloyd Austin was a four-star. Uh, Mark Milley is a four-star. These guys have been in the Army for a long time. They did not have the influence to be able to talk him out of doing something this stupid, this this. Uh, unreasonable and now what we have wound up with is a situation that is for the most part irredeemable i mean we're going to leave americans behind if he sticks to this uh 31 august uh deadline we're going to leave americans behind and our national ethos not just the military but our national ethos is to leave no man behind we're still looking for bodies in 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 korea from the korean war and vietnam from the vietnam war we're still looking to bring those bodies home and look at what we're doing right now. I've never been so humiliated uh, in my life as what I'm experiencing personally right now, watching what's unfolding and knowing that we're walking away from an obligation that we made not only to Americans, but to those Afghanis that, uh, that stood with us, fought with us, and many of which uh, pay the, the ultimate price with us. You know what's sad about this, General? You and I have known each other for a decent amount of time now. And the sad thing about this interview, really, is, you know, though I, can, I remember the first time you and I really started talking and, uh, you know, speaking a lot about an issue was Benghazi. Because you yeah. were making, to me, some of the exact same arguments. We don't leave our people behind. Period. We don't do it. We do everything in our power to get our people out. That is what we do. That's why our people fight for. We realize our, our, our heroes out there on the front lines realize that their government, their military is going to do everything they can to make sure that they're not left behind waving at a helicopter walking away. That's the last time you and I really had a really deep discussion about an issue was Benghazi. And now we're talking again about this. I mean, this is and who was the vice president then? Joe Biden. Yep, that's exactly right. Look, uh, first of all, I think we all recognize that we have we have 
ruined our relationships with our allies. And I think that you, you, nobody can calculate right now what the second, third, and even fourth order effects of what we're doing right now are going to be. But I can tell you they're going to be significant, not only from our allies, but also from our enemies. And, you know, I, let me just say this, Dan. A lot of people don't understand, but during the events in Mogadishu in 1993, known as Black Hawk Down, we fought an 18-hour battle. But nobody really understands what we're fighting over. We were fighting over the bodies of two of our comrades that were killed in the helicopter crash. And no man was going to leave Mogadishu. We stayed there 18 hours and took more casualties, but there was an ethos. It's just like... uh, William Tecumseh Sherman uh, said to Ulysses S. Grant when he came out of the campaign there in Atlanta, he said, I knew wherever I was that you thought of me. And then if I got in a tight spot, you would come if alive. I tell you, I keep that in my office, Dan. That is a powerful statement. That's a national ethos. And we've got a president here that doesn't understand this. We've got tens of thousands of people streaming across our southern border. And, and these Afghans that really have paid a price to be part of us are being left behind along with uh, Americans. And I am so humiliated by what's going on here, Dan. I just, I don't know what yeah. to do. I, I'm, I'm praying hard for these people to be able to get out. But, you know, unless God performs a miracle, uh, we're going to leave people behind there. Uh, General, you know, I, I know I know you're a man of faith, you and your family. I've prayed with you. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'd be doing the audience a disservice if I didn't include this. Can you just explain to them that you, the Black Hawk Down incident, what your role was there? Because, it, folks, it's not that Jerry Boykin saw the movie. Like, he was the movie. He was there. Can you just explain to them? Because uh, one of the stories when I was an instructor in the Secret Service Academy, I used to tell my classes when they thought they were having a rough day, is the, the story of uh, Gary Gordon and Randy Shugart who yeah. demanded to be let down on the ground, uh, s- snipers, knowing they would probably be killed in order to help our guys and not get them out. Could you just tell the audience what your role in that was? Yeah, I was a commander of the Delta Force at that time, and I was running uh, all ground operations. So uh, those were my guys. Those were two Delta Force snipers. And uh, and they, they did. They did just what you just said, Dan, and I'll get emotional here if I'm, not careful. They three times they saw what was on the ground. They saw the second helicopter go in. They saw what was on the ground there, and what was on the ground was a crash with aviators that were still alive that could not get out of the aircraft because their backs were broken. And they they asked three times, three times to go in. And the last time their words were, "We're the only hope." They went in knowing. And we didn't have a way to reinforce them within a reasonable period of time, and they were going to be on their own. And they went in there, and they sacrificed their lives for four men in a helicopter, and one of which survived to tell us the story, which is why I then put them in for the Medals of Honor. Just think about that and then compare that to what we're doing right now. Compare that to the decisions that are being made by our commander-in-chief today and the people around him that are advising him, uh, it is a travesty. And I hope that uh, this this president recognizes what a huge mistake he has made here, what a bad judgment he has issued here. And I hope that uh, 
we'll never see this kind of thing again. We've got a lot of work to do to rebuild and repair our relationships. You know, General, uh, you're just in a really amazing guy. You, you know, I know you, <laughs> I've never seen you get choked up for anything, but I know how much this means to you. I really do. And, uh, you know, I, I don't want to ask you any more questions because I just want to let the audience stew on that. And I want to just say to you what an honor it is to know you. And I only wish our government had more guys like you right now in positions of leadership to be providing the appropriate guidance to these political folks. We'd be in a far different place. You're a humble guy. But gosh, it is a real honor to know you. And thank you for spending a few minutes with the audience today. They are better people for hearing what you just said. Thanks a lot, General. Hey, you're a great American, Dan. And God bless you for what you're doing. Thank you, sir. Folks, General Jerry Boykin, I'm telling you, one of the greatest men I have ever met. It has been my distinct honor and pleasure to know him for quite a long time now. That was General Jerry Boykin. who was on the radio show a couple weeks ago. We've got another great interview coming up with Jocko Willink. Omaha Steaks. We love Omaha Steaks. Tony's getting a little jealous uh, because he hasn't gotten his Omaha Steaks burgers. Omaha, we got to take care of Tone. Big Tone. Hook the hook a brother up. The Omaha Steaks semi-annual sale is here. Get 50% off site-wide. Save on mouth-watering favorites today. Go to omahasteaks.com. Shop the semi-annual sale where you can load up on all the delicious flavor you, flavor you crave at half the price. And when you use my promo code Bongino at checkout, you'll get an extra $30 off your order. Say big on delicious, tender, juicy steaks, big, beefy burgers, and uh, all, all kinds of delicious food. So much more there. With Omaha Steaks, the possibilities are endless. Endless flavor, endless value. With every purchase is backed by their unconditional money-back guarantee because the food's amazing. That's why. Simply go to omahasteaks.com. Shop the semi-annual sale today. Don't forget to use the promo code BONGINO at checkout and get an extra $30 off your order. Hurry, because this deal won't last long. Kickstart your spring grilling today. That's omahasteaks.com. Promo code BONGINO at checkout. Minimum purchase and restrictions may apply. Visit omahasteaks.com for details. Thanks, Omaha Steaks. I've got news for the turkey hunters in our audience. Spring's around the corner, and if you're gearing up for a successful season, you're going to need a couple of things. One of those things is the single-shot turkey camo 12-gauge shotgun made by Henry Repeating Arms. Let's say you're out in the field and you've managed to call a turkey in a range, and now it's time to make your shot count. And you can do that with a Henry shotgun because they're reliable and accurate right out of the box, especially with the turkey choke tube that's included. And if the fully adjustable... Fiber optic sights aren't enough. It's easy to mount a red dot since it's already drilled and tapped. Henry's shotguns, rifles, and revolvers are made in America with the quality craftsmanship that Henry's are famous for. And you'll get a lifetime warranty and a 100% satisfaction guarantee that protects your purchase for generations to come. Make sure you go to their website. It's henryusa.com and order their free catalog. They'll mail it with free decals on a list of dealers in your area. That's henryusa.com for a free catalog and free decals. You're going to love these firearms, and you're going to love this company. Okay, up next, we talk with Jocko Willink about what was going on in Afghanistan. This is a great interview. I don't want you to miss it. All right, let me welcome to the show a good man, uh, a good man, a former Navy SEAL himself, uh, Jocko Willink. Jocko, thanks for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Hey, Dan. Thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, you got it. Sorry about that. I thought my studio just shut down. There was like a major electrical strike here in Florida. Got to be prepared, though, Jocko, all the time, man. Got to have a backup when the batteries just kicked in. But uh, listen, I had you on the Fox show on Saturday night uh, because people in America, they look to you, Jocko. You got a big public profile. You're a humble guy. But you were a Navy SEAL. You've been there. You've been in theater. And I think one of the things that has my listeners, a lot of Americans, really furious right now 
is what we discussed on Saturdays. This idea that the whole American code, we live by a code here. That's what America is. It's not just a, you know, a flag. That's just a piece of fabric. It's what the flag represents. And one of the codes are we don't leave our people behind, Jocko. And we're evacuing in Afghanistan right now, giving them an artificial 329 p.m. tomorrow deadline. And yet they have no way to get out. I mean, this is unforgivable. Yeah. You know, Dan, I was going to bring this up the other night because I heard you before I came on. I heard you talking and you were talking about the fact that we were leaving people behind. And, and, and I wanted to mention this story when I was in Iraq, I was in the Battle of Ramadi. And there was a situation where there was, there was a gunfight. And there were some Iraqi soldiers, some friendly Iraqi soldiers got wounded and were laying in the street. And two of my guys, two American SEALs, put down cover fire, ran out into the middle of the street during a gunfight to grab these two guys, bring them back to safety, uh, totally put their lives at risk. Both those guys ended up receiving the Silver Star for that action. But this is what we did. And this was for Iraqi soldiers, guys that didn't speak English, guys that were just out there to help us. And, and that code that you talked about, it's a real thing. It applies to anyone that helps us. We will be there for you. And so it's very sad to see the situation unfolding the way it is. Folks, Jocko has a podcast and he has a number of books on leadership. I, I can't recommend enough. You know, a lot of times you get books and stuff in the mail and pe- I, I buy Jocko's books. I don't even need some PR person to send it because they're real stories about real people in real time taking responsibility. Jocko, that's one of the things. I mean, again, your books are really incredible uh, on this on this topic. Use real world examples of this stuff. And one of the components of leadership is you don't say I'm in charge and use all the fancy buzz terms. Oh, I'm in charge of buck stops here and then say, but everyone else screwed up but me. And candidly, it's not just our political leadership. There's a lot of that happening at the at, at the military leadership now as well, where we're stranding the boots on the ground. Our door kickers, our war fighters are stranding them behind. And, you know, these people that are working behind desks right now, all due respect to their prior experience, but they're making bad decisions. We're not seeing real leadership, resignations, people speaking out. We're just not seeing it. Is this an institutional problem with our military? And and how do we fix it? You know, that's one of those fine lines that people are walking is, you know, if I if I throw my commission on the table and say, I'm not going to do this anymore. The problem with that is now I don't now I don't have any more influence. And and so unless we get some sort of a tipping point where enough people come forward and say, hey, look, this is not this does not work. We're not going to put up with this. We got We're kind of waiting to see if that tipping point comes, because sometimes when people leave the military, they throw their commission on the table. They, they resign. Well, guess what? Now they don't have any influence anymore. And, and that can be a problem. I'm sure there's some people in the military that are saying, OK, this is what we're being told to do. Uh, in my position, I can mitigate the, the damage as much as I possibly can. If I speak up, well, then I can't help out on the ground. So I think some of the guys are caught in that catch-22 where it's like, do I speak up and, and give up any control I, over I have over my troops? I mean, look, Dan, we don't leave people behind, and there is nothing more sickening for me as when, when I was a combat leader yeah. to think I would walk away from my guys and leave them under the control of somebody that, that wasn't doing a good job or that I didn't trust. I would stay in that position. I would mitigate the risk as much as I can. But I think what we may, may see is in the coming weeks and months, I think we will start to see a groundswell of people that are speaking up and, and putting the word out about what happened, how it went down, and what changes are needed. We're talking to Jocko Willink. Please check out his podcast. It's uh, terrific, Jocko Podcast. And I'll follow him on social media. 
Jocko, you get very inspirational 4 a.m. in the morning talks. I, I don't Listen, man, I, I, I like to think I'm a real trooper in the morning, but 4 o'clock, I don't know how you do that, man. I watch you sometimes at 4, <laughs> 4 in the morning. You put, you put the screenshot of your watch sometimes. You get up every day and hit it at 4 in the morning. Huh? Gosh, that must be tough. Well, you know, I'm not as gifted as you, Dan. I got to put in the extra work. That's the way it goes. That's the way my whole life. <laughs> yeah. No, you are, man. You are. Uh, listen, there, there are a lot of badasses out there, man, but you definitely walk the walk. Uh, Jocko, I'm very concerned, as a number of my friends are, and a lot of my listeners have been getting tons of email on it. Even my wife hit me up last night about this. She's like, Dan, I can't believe we left all this equipment behind, $84 billion in equipment. Some of it was intended for the Afghan army, made it into the hands of the Taliban. Uh, this stuff concerns me. I mean, it's bad enough we were embarrassed and we left behind uh, helos, we left behind transport planes, Jocko. But what worries me is 358,530 assault rifles, 42,000, uh, excuse me, 64,363 uh, heavy machine guns, 126,000 pistols, NVGs, night vision goggles. I mean, one of our tactical advantages, I mean, no one knows better than you, I don't need to tell you this, of our special forces is our ability to operate in small units with basically, you know, light arms and to basically own the night. That's what you guys do. You operate at night to the point where I had a helicopter pilot once tell me uh, when we were in the Secret Service, he was the uh, the mill aide at the time. He's like, he, he, he wasn't even accustomed to flying anymore during the day. He was so used to the green at night, you know. This worries me. Now our enemies have that opportunity to have that great equalizer. They'll never match our training, Jocko, but leaving the equipment behind, major, major mistake. You know, I made that video that was, uh, hey, if I was president, this is what I would do right now. And part of that was go in and get back or destroy the equipment that's there. The thing that actually pushed me over the edge to make that video was seeing these massive, massive piles of weapons. Look, to, to give the enemy these weapons, to think that our kids, this next generation, is going to have to go out on the battlefield and fight against fight against an enemy that has the same weapons capability that we have, that has the same night vision, that has the laser sighting devices, that has armored vehicles. This is absolutely disgusting to think about. And and we should we, we need to do something about it. Look, there's gonna be decades. If they if they keep all these weapons, Americans and and freedom loving people of the world are gonna be getting killed by these very weapons for the next two or three decades. That's what's about to happen. So that, that, is, that is just an absolute travesty and something needs to be done about it and it needs to be done right now. Yeah, I mean, you're right, Jocko. If, folks, one, if the book, by the way, the book, Jocko has quite a few books. They're all very good. But the one I read last, which I think you'll all really enjoy, is Leadership Strategy and Tactics, Field Manual by uh, Jocko Willing. Check it out, Leadership Strategy and Tactics, it is an amazing book. You'll get through it in a day or two. We need a little bit more of that right now, leadership. But Jocko, you're right. I mean, we have Kalashnikovs, you know, AKs from, from the 60s still working. I mean, these, these things were built to last, and so was a lot of our American military equipment. And the idea that, ah, oh, you know, we, we left them this stuff, that it's going to somehow disappear in a few years, we'll see this stuff appearing, uh, appearing decades later. I mean, we've had, as you well know, I mean, I've flown on C-5s on overseas missions with the, the president's cars, Jocko. These planes were operating in the 70s. We left them equipment. This isn't going away. This is going to be there in theater for decades. Yeah, and you can't, you, you, you mentioned it briefly, just the fact that, that our utilization of night vision. When we were in the Battle of Ramadi, 
the, the Mujahideen fighters wouldn't even come out at night because they knew we own the night. We had to go out in the daytime to kill them because they would only come out during the daytime because they knew if they came out at night, they had no chance. Well, now we're opening up them to have an even playing field with us. And, and that's just a, a horrible thing to have happen. It's absolutely, it's absolutely horrible. Yeah. Jocko Willink, one last question for you. You've been generous with your time. We always appreciate it here and on the Fox show as well. Thank you very much. I know you're busy. Um, the capability to retake Bagram. We surrendered, but well, not we, our commander in chief decided to surrender Bagram. I know our military folks probably thought it was a dumb idea, but we did. Um, do we have the capability to take this back uh, right now if we needed to, if we wanted to do this, this retrograde the right way? We could do it. Absolutely. There's no question about it. I mean, that's that's what the American military does. And and there's nothing wrong with maintaining a presence in these countries. I mean, we got 40 military bases in Germany. We got 23 military bases in Japan. We have 15 military bases in South Korea. And, and those are those aren't because we're having forever wars there. Those are the prevention of war. That's what that is. It's a worldwide presence. It's a strategic presence that lets people know we're here and you can't mess around with America. Yeah. Chaco, thanks for your time. We always appreciate it. I know you're a busy guy. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me, Dan. We'll talk to you later. You got it. Folks, that was Jocko Willing. Check out his podcast. His books on leadership, again, are spectacular. It's one thing to write about leadership and write about it in kind of third-person terms. Jocko tells real stories, having been on the ground. It was a great book. It really opened my eyes to a lot of things. Um, go check him out. And again, check out the Jocko podcast. We always appreciate his time. That was our interview with Jocko Willink from the radio show last week. Sean Parnell came on the show last week to talk about the disastrous pullout from Afghanistan. Cost 13 heroes their lives. How it affected him personally and the men he led when he was in combat. And the lack of accountability for this failed senile failure in the White House. Did I just say failure twice? I'll say it again. Failure in the White House and the Biden administration. Big show today. You ever wondered what happened to the legendary Chuck Norris? The action star, world champion, black belt, and U.S. veteran, well, I saw a video he made. I was shocked. He's in his 80s. He's still kicking butt, working out. He looks amazing. He stays active. I mean, a guy looks like he's in his 40s. What's even more shocking is he's stronger, can work out longer, and he has plenty of energy left over, keeping him sharp and focused. Chuck Norris is able to do all this because he made a simple change. It makes him and his family feel great. He made a special short video, explains everything easily to you. Make sure you check it out today by going to chuckdefense.com slash Bongino. could change the way you think about health. That's chuckdefense.com slash Bongino or text Bongino to 511-511. You won't believe how simple it is. Be prepared to be amazed. The guy seriously looks incredible. That's chuckdefense.com slash Bongino or text Bongino to 511-511. Message and data rate supply. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. The product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Here's a hint. It involves this stuff. It's really good. Do you know that studies show that high blood pressure is the number one risk factor for mortality and one in two adults have high blood pressure? That's a 50-50 chance you're a walking time bomb. But you, not Big Pharma, can take control of your blood pressure with the help of 120 Life. 120 Life is a blend of great tasting superfruit juices and it's formulated with ingredients that have been shown to naturally help control high blood pressure and are endorsed by thousands of health professionals. Try it yourself, risk-free, with their two-week trial pack. Go to 120life.com and use the code DAN to save 15% and receive free shipping. They're so sure that 120 Life can noticeably lower your blood pressure in two weeks that they'll give you your money back if you're not satisfied. You got nothing to lose. 
but those high blood pressure numbers. Go to 120life.com, that's 120life.com, and use code DAN to save 15%. This is serious. It's your life we're talking about. 120life can help you. These statements have not been approved by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Check this out. I love it when I take it right to the libs. They lose their minds. Here, Jim, check this out. Feedback during the break from Debbie. You are the stupidest person in America. (laughs) You should be banned. My brother believes everything you say. I hope you are banned. Shame on you for spreading conspiracy, conspiracy theories and lying to people. You and people like you are what's wrong with our country. Yeah, you're right, Debbie. It's me, right? Right. It's not your feckless, senile, uh, dopey commander-in-chief who just pulled people out of the country, got a whole bunch of people killed. It's causing a massive inflation crisis, a border crisis. Yeah, I did that. Right, Dan Bongino, commander-in-chief. All right, let's get to someone a a whole lot smarter than Debbie. Uh, My good friend, Sean Parnell, running for Senate in the great state of Pennsylvania. Sean, welcome back to the show. Hey, hey, Dan, thanks for having me. (laughs) Yeah, I get a lot of that during the break. I'm sure you get the same. That's probably why you're late, right? You probably get the same things, right? I assume. Yes, yes. They're always so lovely. It's just one question. Sean, Sean also uh, is a veteran who has uh, seen combat time, a real American hero and a good friend. But uh, Sean's running for office for U.S. Senate in Pennsylvania. And, you know, Sean, on, on a side note, I didn't intend to start the interview this way, but isn't it weird? Like, have you ever had the urge to go on like a liberals page? That, like, you know, I'll go on the show and make fun of them. And I do. And I take it to them. But I've never had the urge to like send someone an email like that. Like, you ever no. get that? Or is that that's a liberal thing, isn't it? You know, the, the nasty grams. I, I, I kind of think it is. I kind of think it is. In fact, <laughs> I was thinking some, sometimes sometimes they're really funny. And really creative. Um, <laughs> oh, like, like yeah. when I first got in, when I first got in the Senate race, like somebody right. tweeted from Pittsburgh, like the personification of Axe body spray just got in the race here <laughs> for Senate. And I instantly, she didn't even mention, she didn't even mention it was me. And I instantly knew it was me. And I'm like, yeah. this is pretty amazing. Like, this is pretty funny. <laughs> you know what? But see, because here's the thing: like you and I are, you know, we're self confident guys, not not ego guys, but self confident guys. Like you can talk about that, and say, you're like some once in a while I respond to those kind of critiques, and I'm like, dude, I know you may hate me, but that's pretty funny. Like that's yeah. pretty good. I like act body spray. My gosh! All right, let me get to this because there's no one better to comment than you. You know, you've been there. You know what it's like having served in the military yourself, having lost friends. This is obviously a calamity of just cosmic proportions. I get an email this morning, though, Sean, from a friend of mine. He was a great source and uh, had also has seen some military time. And he said to me, you know, Dan, one of the things not being discussed with this failed surrender to the Taliban um, with the equipment being left behind is he said during my time, you know, in the military, we were trained to you know, get a good idea and memorize what the memories, uh, what the uniforms of the enemies, excuse me, uh, and their equipment look like. Um, you know, not difficult. If you're targeting a tank, whatever, you're a tow missile guy, whatever it may be, you want to make sure you know what that enemy tank looks like. So you just make sure on visual so it's not one of yours, right? And I thought, gosh, that's an interesting point because we left a bunch of equipment behind that is ours. Does that open up like an infiltration problem and, and an impersonation problem as well? 
I, I think so. I mean, I, it's not something that I had considered, but absolutely. They, they t- like if they train you to go through, you know, visual aircraft recognition or ground armor recognition. I mean, they, they actually have flashcards and stuff to help teach you identify the different types of equ- equipment. You know, the from T seventy two Russian tanks to different enemy aircraft. It is, it, but you're right. We left billions of dollars of our own stuff behind, Dan. Like so. So there was, so get this, like one of my soldiers reached out to me um, after having, le- after we left all that equipment there and said, you know, there was a time where his truck drove over a mine, um, killed three of, of our friends, wounded seriously two others. The, the army forced them to stay out there to guard the wreckage, the scraps of that Humvee. Well, they didn't know the status of the two soldiers, whether they had lived or died, not able to process the grief of the ones that they just lost. All the guard, the scrap metal. And he, he said, it's unbelievable to me that we just gave away all of that stuff to basically the Taliban or this just jihadist terrorists <laughs> to use our equipment. Uh, it's just unbelievable. It's just unbelievable. It is. It, it, I mean, in the technical sense of the word, that it's really hard to believe. You know, Pete Eggseth, our, our good friend, uh, you know, you and I, That's we had some nice conversations at Pete's wedding there. Uh, Pete's a good man, and Pete brought up a story on Fox & Friends this morning. One of his units, they, there was a machine gun that was lost or misplaced, and they got sent out into the suck to go find that thing. I mean, one machine gun. And, you know, people took a disciplinary action against him for this. He told the story on Fox and Friends this morning. And yet we left behind, you know, 300,000 what would appear to be M4 type rifles, 126,000 pistols, 64,000 machine guns. I mean, Sean, did we, we armed to the teeth a bunch of child bride taking medieval savages that are now running around taking pictures in our camo. I know. And, and one of the things that is just so offensive, quite frankly, it's a slap in the face to anyone who fought against them, is this normalization of the Taliban. Like, oh, they're, they're just like us. They care about the right. economy and jobs and putting food right. on the table and climate change and climate change. Right, like, right, right. climate like they're change. All somehow, they're all somehow sitting in a cave. You know, talking about making the transition from a, a Toyota Hilux to a Toyota Prius and decreasing right. the carbon footprint. Give me a break. Right. These, these are people yeah. forget that the Taliban, not only are they hanging people from helicopters and shooting them in the streets and executing people now, they helped facilitate the 9-11 attack. They attacked uh, Americans for 20 plus years. They killed thousands of Americans during our time in Afghanistan. These are not good people. And yet from the Biden administration, you'd think that they were just this fledgling government with nothing but benevolent intentions. Look, man, Dan, if leaving, you know, not not hundreds of Americans, I, I honestly think it's into the thousands, thousands of Americans, because this yeah. whole narrative, Dan, of Americans that want to come home. Wait a second. No, there are a lot of Americans there who have sisters or brothers that, you know, Americans who are citizens who have sisters or brothers who are not citizens just yet and are staying there so that they're not abandoned to the Taliban. We don't even have a sense of how many Americans are there. But I'm saying if, if leaving thousands of Americans behind enemy lines and leaving billions of dollars of our equipment and surrendering uh, to a terrorist organization and basically throwing away 20 years of, of blood and, and treasure spent in that country is not an impeachable offense or one worthy of resignation. What is? What is? Yeah, I, 
I'm with you, and I'm, I'm glad you have the guts to say that. We're talking to Sean Parnell, running for United States Senate, one of the finest, if not the finest, Senate candidate, I think, in the country, running in Pennsylvania. Just because you're not in Pennsylvania doesn't mean you can't support. You can't vote for him if you're not in Pennsylvania, but you can certainly support him because what he'll be voting for when he wins is going to affect you. Website, Parnell4Senate.com, P-A-R-N-E-L-L-F-O-R, Senate.com, Parnell, Senate.com. You know, Sean, I, I was not in the military, I was not in combat. I, you know, did, did make no illusions otherwise, never would. Uh, but I have a lot of friends like yourself, and I listen a lot. And having spent a lot of time overseas working with military guys and taking in all their vast troves of knowledge, one of the things they'll always tell you is no amount of training on planet Earth can overcome the fog of war. None. Now, what it can do. What I learned from some of the SEAL guys and Delta guys who had later come over to the Secret Service and became trainers in the academy I was in is it decreases the time to which you can get get your arms around what's going on. Say the untrained guy in the fog of war never gets his arms around. You know what I mean? It's just like chaos and they never they just panic and they flip out. You get these really, really good maybe foreign units and they take a minute or two. You know, you get these SEALs, Delta, Rangers, these guys, maybe in 30, 40 seconds, boom, they're ready. They get everything. They get a grasp of what's going on. They're in the fight. He said, but you never get rid of that fog of war. The reason I bring this up is, you know, yes, we may have an idea. Let's say we have to go back, God forbid, to Afghanistan. They're using our equipment. We know, say, in whatever, Tora Bora, this line of Humvees is, in fact, the Taliban, right? But if we have guys on the ground, that fog of war breaks out and they're in our uniforms. All of a sudden, you know, you're five, ten minutes into this gunfight. You know, all of a sudden this becomes really tricky. Like, you know, are those our guys? Are these our guys? Are our guys behind us? Did they flank you? Or the, you know, this is the kind of thing, again, the Biden administration never considered when we left $20 billion worth of equipment behind. Oh, my gosh. It's so true. And and and. Additionally, Dan, we left our lasers there, too. So the, the, the lasers that we use to lace targets on the ground for for bombers, whether it's an A-10 or a B-1 strategic lancer, they'll look at different laser shapes that we have mounted on our rifles. They have them. They have those lasers, yeah. too. And That's so, incredible. Yeah, they, they took a, a bad situation in Afghanistan, and, you know, withdrawal from Afghanistan was always going to be tough. It was there, you know, there's there's a say, you know, the enemy gets a vote. They always get to say or they always get a say in how things unfold. Or as Mike Tyson said, everyone has a plan that they get with the first punch. Right. You have the most in the, plan face, in the world. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but but this was a completely preventable uh, tragedy. Joe Biden got it wrong. Literally, literally every step of the way, whether it's when we've talked about this, Dan, from closing Bagram Air Base. Yeah to entrusting the Taliban with American lives. And one of the things that just has infuriated me is that we had a chance to secure the city of Kabul. And here's something that really nobody's talking about. Our generals were given the choice, uh, you know, or they have cited that, hey, look, if we, we evacuate people out of Hamid Karzai Airport, it's just more convenient. It's easier for our citizens to get there. You know, if we keep Bagram open, they're going to have to travel 30 minutes, and that trip is a lot more dangerous, right? So they cited that as a factor for keeping Kabul Airport open. But then they, then they also said right in the same breath, they, gave, they allowed the Taliban to secure the city. You see what I mean? Right. So on one hand, no, you're I, saying, I, hey, yeah. we're gonna, it's just an, an, a mind-blowing decision. That not only do you close down Bagram, but you also allow the Taliban to control the city that you're using for primary means of exfil. 
It's just an unbelievable And Sean, if I can add to that, problem. I only got a hard minute left, and I got to get Sean Parnell, by the way, running for Senate, Pennsylvania, ParnellForSenate.com. Sean, one quick thing. And if I've read that Washington Post piece, if this channel of communication was open with the Taliban, as the Washington Post alleges in their reporting, and the Taliban were were at least hearing the Biden administration out, then why not just say to the Taliban, hey, we're going to leave Bagram open till the last minute. We're going to exfil out of Kabul and Bagram. We're going to airlift some of our people to Bagram and hole up there. If you attack us, we'll kill you guys. But they didn't do that either. <laughs> so, I, I just, I, I, it's unbelievable. And I think part of the, part of the reason, you know, our generals, uh, they deserve a lot of blame for this. But one of the reasons yeah. they ran into trouble was that they were left with an artificial cap of troops from Biden. And so they were like, hey, we yeah. got to get down to this number. That's we got to get out. Chief No, said. that's right. That's right. Sean, I got to so, run. Uh, always a pleasure to have you on. One of the finest candidates. I think the finest Senate candidate in the country. Sean Parnell, real American hero. Parnell for Senate.com. Pennsylvania, you don't vote for this guy. I'll, I'll be very disappointed. I don't know if that matters or not to you. But Sean, thanks for coming on. <laughs> thanks, Dan. You got it. That was Sean Parnell from last week on the radio show. By the way, another great candidate for office, uh, Parnell. He is running for U.S. Senate in Pennsylvania. Check him out. You can hear me every weekday on the radio, by the way, across the country on over 300 radio stations. You just have to go to Bongino.com, our website, click on Station Finder, and you can find out where we're on near you. Thanks a lot for listening. I really appreciate it. Have a great Labor Day holiday. I'm Dan Bongino. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. Hi there. Sorry for the interruption, but are you enjoying this show on Google Podcasts? You should know that the Google Podcasts app is going away this spring. That's right, going away, gone, as in no longer available. You can still enjoy this show elsewhere, though. Try out Spotify or Amazon Music, or maybe TuneIn is more your style. Whatever app you switch to, be sure to follow so you never miss the next episode. And thanks for listening, wherever you listen.